Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. I believe throughout the service it's going to get progressively better. All right? Bless you and your voice too. I want to hear you singing next time. Come on, Jesus. You know, it's, it's just oh, this is so much fun. You know, it's amazing we, we get to do this. Uh, so it's just, it's so good to be with you guys, and I just want to tell you, as, as Pastor Cameron was saying, um, you guys uh, helped us to, to raise about $30,000, so I want to share with you a little bit of what that went for, and some of the things that God has been doing in our nation. My wife and I live in Mexico. We have a little son. He's nine months old, actually almost 10 months now, almost 10 months old. His name is Caleb. And uh, they wish they could be here. They can't they, because it was just a, a little bit too much traveling back to back. We've been traveling some other places as well. But uh, they send their greetings as well. But uh, this is, I just want to show you a few pictures. They say pictures worth a thousand words. So this is one of our, doing baptisms in, in, in East Africa and Uganda. Uh, and this was one of our newest churches. It, it was the newest for a while, but it's, there's been others planted since then. But they, uh, powerful, powerful move of the Holy Spirit in Uganda. Uh, we're seeing uh, leaders raised up. We ordained this leader about two years ago now, and uh, he went on to plant a church. He's actually the president of Uganda's um, like plumber. He oversees the plumbing for the presidential palace. So he's he's like uh, President Museveni is the president there. He's he's his plumber. So uh, <laughs> so anyway, so he uh, is an amazing man of God. Walks in signs and wonders and miracles, and uh, he's one of our one of our leaders there. This is one of our Ugandan churches. And amazing move of the Holy Spirit. This is the building that you guys helped us to build. And uh, it's that was our first graduating Bible school class there in western Kenya. We're right on the border between Uganda and Kenya. So we have Ugandan Bible school students and Kenyan Bible school students. We also are, we have Sudanese as well, Sudanese students that we're training. And we have a Rwandan leader we're training that's going to go plant a church in Rwanda, God willing, as well. So we've got leaders, we've had leaders come from Congo and other places. So you guys have helped us to be able to to launch this. And we've also planted a church there. This has been an amazing, amazing thing because some of these leaders, when God led us to plant the church there, or to plant a Bible school there, uh, there's so many people uh, were involved in really cultish, cultic kind of doctrines and teachings. Churches there in that region is, is, is well known throughout East Africa for uh, producing cults. And so God led us to plant a evangelical, like, spirit-filled river Bible college there in the middle of all that. And so now we were getting all these pastors that were doing cultish things, doing animal sacrificing in the church, thinking it was, like, the way to please the Holy Spirit. And they're coming to our Bible school, and they're getting completely transformed and getting born again. And we start with how to be born again. We, uh, that's, that's how our Bible school class starts for pastors, how to be born again, how they, deliverance. They get deliverance and healing, and it's, so it's amazing. Amazing what the Lord has done. So you guys have sowed, you guys sowed so much into this. Thank you for for helping with this. So this is part of what the money you raised went to build. That's uh that's our Bible school there. That the the woman preaching is she is the she she and her husband they both pastor the church together. They help lead uh, Kaleo Ministries in 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 Kenya. So. Uh, so these are, I want to share a few testimonies, then I'm going to go on and we're going to preach the word and we're going to have fun. Because tonight I believe the river w- wants to flow. Hey, so the guy in the middle, uh, how many of you were, how many of you were there today or in one of the services this weekend? So make sure I'm not getting too repetitive if there are, if it's all the same people. No, okay, no, it's not many. All right. So the guy in the middle, he uh, he was a chief of one of, of a village in Uganda, and a very well respected uh, Muslim chief, and he was respected by Christians and Muslims alike. And uh, he had been friends with the missionaries that are on either side of him, and they would shared the gospel with him. But he, as I mean, as of that point, he had not received. He was interested, and he told him, "I'm interested in the message," but he said, "I'm not ready to to convert because it means a lot of sacrifice on my part." And they say, well, you know, just we'll pray about it when you're ready. Then we want you to follow Christ. So anyway, we were visiting that village, and uh, he came to meet us, and we talked for a while. And there was a whole group of people that had gathered around. The Holy Spirit spoke to me that there was people that God wanted to heal. 
So I asked, who is sick? Does anyone have any problem in their body? And so people came up, just, just like here. Uh, people came up, and uh, you know, so God started healing people of different things. He came up, and he said, uh, basically, he had a problem with his arm. His, his, one of his arms, I think his right arm, had gone completely numb. And he wasn't able to feel, I think, from a stroke or something like that. He was, had no feeling in that arm. And so I just grabbed his hand like that, and uh, his face got really surprised, and he started to weep. And which is not common for an African man. African men don't don't cry usually. And so uh, and later on, and we asked him, "What happened? Are you ready to receive Christ?" He said, "Yes." So we led him in a prayer, and afterwards he explained what had happened. When we had touched his hand, uh, it, he said it felt like fire and electricity went into his hey went into his hand and went up his arm, down his back, and into his heart. He said something entered into my heart, and I knew I was born again. Hey. <laughs> Hey, come on. So we, we, we still led him in a prayer because, I mean, that's what you do. But he something entered into his heart, and he knew he was born again. I, I love it when people come out of other religions, and they get they get born again. It's just so simple. They're like, yeah, they don't know any of our doctrinal things. It's just like something came in, a fire came into me, came into my heart, and I was born again. And it's real. So it was so powerful what happened. The other man there on the left, y'all's, no, on y'all's right, uh, he had been paralyzed for four years. He had had a brain injury, and it was in Huhutla, uh, the most recent school of fire in June. And he'd had a brain injury, and uh, because of that, he'd not been able to speak or walk for four years. And the power of the Holy Spirit hit him in one of the meetings, and so he started talking. And he's, I think he just thought, well, if I'm talking, I might as well start walking. So he got up out of his got up out of his uh, chair, and he started to walk. His wife had brought him to the meeting, I believe, in a wheelchair or one of, or some kind of a walker or something, and uh, he was not able to to walk unassisted at all. And he gets up and he starts walking. He was completely healed. He was able to talk and he began to say the name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. His first word after he got healed was Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He started saying Jesus. Hey, so this is just, this is just a few little things that God's doing. This is the training center that you guys are help, have, are, are helping us to buy. You guys, uh, contributed, uh, to this in an incredible way. And so right now we're just sorting out a few of the papers. On this, and then we're soon believing that very soon we're going to be able to sign papers to get this. It's a 14-bedroom uh, old hotel, and uh, initially we were going to try to buy the building on one side, and then that this building came up for sale, and then uh, actually the price got cut in half. Uh, we negotiated, negotiated, and finally it came back that they would sell it to us for about almost half, actually just a little bit over half of what we had been trying to buy it for. So we were rate, trying to raise over a hundred thousand, and then they were like, "We'll sell it to you for we'll sell it to you for just a little bit under sixty thousand." So we've almost we've got pretty much all of that to buy it now, and so we're just amazed. It's fourteen bedrooms. So y'all y'all pray for us on this. There's been a ton of of warfare, and uh, I mean we even have the mayor trying to help us. The mayor of the town is is helping us to to get this. Uh, he really, really likes our ministry and wants us to have a Bible school there. So thank you, New Day, for sowing heavily into this project. You guys are amazing, and we want you to know what you guys are a part of. So thank you for that. So some of you also heard about earthquakes that have been happening in Mexico. There have been a lot of earthquakes, uh, and they've been they've hit the epicenter of the most recent earthquakes were about 30 minutes away from our base in Jujutla. And so it completely devastated the town. It was a, it's a, it was a night, such beautiful little towns in there, completely devastated. I think they say something like 2,000 um, homes and buildings were lost. And uh, at least, they, they said at least 2,000 families have lost homes. And, uh, and so it was just horrible. But I was sharing in the, in the previous two meetings that we, the Lord had been leading us to pray Psalm 91 over our over our network of churches and leaders. So we were doing that for about six months. We've just been praying Psalm 91. It's I mean it's been a, something that's very been a, very important in our hearts. But we just started declaring that and praying that with our leaders. And uh, so this is what happened. This was the result of that. We didn't know there were earthquakes coming at all. No one could know that. But we were just praying that psalm, praying that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my God. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and whom I trust. We were just declaring that, and we taught our leaders to do that. Well, when the earthquakes hit, 
devastated the town, um, and except for our churches. Not a one of our churches, pastors, church members, or missionaries lost their houses, with the exception of one. One of our missionaries lost his house, but it was he was renting it, and it was insured. So it wasn't it wasn't too bad, and the house didn't collapse until they uh, it was like it was like it was waiting to collapse until they could get all their stuff out. So they didn't even lose their stuff. They got all their stuff out of there, uh, moved all their stuff out, then the house collapsed, and uh, they they just about gave me a heart attack when they told me they were going to go in and get the collect the stuff out of this house. But uh, anyway, that's another story. Uh, but even to the point where. One of our missionary couples, uh, Michael and Jen, you, you know, Michael and Jen, like in their house, the, all the dishes fell out of the pantry, but none of the dishes broke and they fell on the tile. Glass and ceram- ceramic dishes fell out and none of them broke. And they were talking about it. They're like, you know, the really ironic part was those we had dropped those exact same type of dishes like three days before and they broke instantly. And then they, during an earthquake, none of them broke. So it just this is the, it's just the protection of the Holy Spirit because what it's enabled us to do because our buildings are still standing we're now able to house refugees we're now able to help the poor we're now able to be a staging center for receiving food receiving shipments and we've been receiving shipments of food and water and everything it's been a, amazing we had nothing to to give to people about two a week ago when it happened but all of a sudden it's like all of the support started pouring in from all over the country. And actually all over both countries, Mexico has also, people in Mexico are giving us supplies. Mexican companies are shipping 18-wheelers of supplies for us for free. The Mexican government uh, has has uh, started working with us, and they've removed all taxes that we would pay to get supplies across the border. Now they're letting us cross supplies for free. What used to cost us thousands of dollars is now uh, is now they're they're not charging us anything to be able to help the poor. So it's amazing everything God's doing. So in the middle of that, we've been seeing miracles. Many people have been receiving Christ. Uh, incredible move of the Holy Spirit has been happening. Uh, we're believing God for a hunt to distribute 100,000 Bibles in the middle of this. We're believing for at least 100,000 salvations to come out of this earthquake. I believe every Bible we distribute is, is a salvation. It's going to be a salvation. And so we're believing God for an amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit there like we've never seen before. Whoops. So I want to share a few more testimonies. Then we're going to kind of move move in. This, these are really fun. This The lady on the left... Left on the left side, there she had had a tumor in her arm, and the tumor in her arm has she'd had it for years. And uh, this was in central Mexico, and uh, we were doing a meeting, and uh, we just felt like we weren't even supposed to touch anybody. We were just supposed to ask if anyone had tumors and growths in their body. And she uh, she said yes, and she raised her hand, and as she raised her hand, uh, she put her hand on her own arm, or her where the this lump was, this tumor, and it disappeared out from under her hand. And uh, it just completely disappeared. She'd had it there for years. And it uh, just completely disappeared out of her arm. And so she came up afterwards and gave testimony. And it's funny because especially in the villages, people will get healed. And like it's, it may, it's not like they're not being touched. They're being touched, but they're not always the most expressive about it. So she comes up, yeah, I was healed of a tumor. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, and and I had it for years. And, but it's fun because they came out of, they, uh, you know, not a Christian background, so she just she didn't even know that, you know that she was supposed to get excited. It was just like she, all these people said it would happen. God did it. You know, sometimes people coming out of the world uh, when they just simply hear that Jesus does these miracles and expect it, and it's like they believe the Bible's true or something. Hey, and and so it's funny when you start believing that way that the Bible really is true. It changes everything about your outlook. And uh, and and when we see God do those kind of miracles, the other lady in the middle, uh, she'd had a tumor at the base of her spine, and she'd had it for years as well. I don't know how long she'd had it, but she didn't know um, she didn't know what what it was. She'd been too afraid to go to the doctor. Uh, and so she hadn't been able, hadn't go to the, hadn't gone to the doctor or anything. But she had this tumor, and so she had, uh, you know, been just thinking about. It. This was in Ciudad Juarez, across from El Paso, Texas. And uh, so she had this for years and hadn't told anyone. So she came up and she uh, asked me to pray something really vague about like my neck hurts or something like that. So anyway, I lay hands on her, and uh, the power of God hits her. She had her hand at the base of her spine, just kind of bracing her back. 
and that lump, that tumor, disappeared out from under her own hand. Hey, so that sort of thing is, is happening more and more and more. We're seeing Jesus actually removing tumors out of people's bodies. We're seeing incredible miracles. We were in, uh, I was in prison the other, uh, about four weeks ago, ministering, preaching in prison. I was preaching in the prison. We go into the prison every week, and uh, we minister. And I was preaching in one of the prisons where we go. And, uh, and we had, man, we had a fun service. It was about, I don't know, a hundred something guys crammed into a space about the size of these chairs. So, and it was about 110 degrees in there. And it was, so it was, oh man, there was, people were falling out, not, not necessarily the Holy Spirit. It was just hot. And so it, it was really hot. So uh, we were just praying, power of God was moving. Holy Spirit spoke to me that there's someone here who'd been, at least one person who'd been deaf. Who, who is deaf in one ear, completely deaf in one ear, and God wants to heal him. And it was fun because we had a team there from the from the Harvest School in Mozambique, and there was a, a young lady from South Africa there, and she'd been praying. She went to Iris, and she's like, God, I really want to he- see someone healed of a deaf ear. I want to see a deaf ear healed. So she'd been through all the Harvest School, had not like seen a deaf person healed, and really, really had been asking God, I really want to see that. So anyway, she was in the, the back part of the room with the other team, and I didn't know that she w- had been asking God to see someone healed uh, from deafness. And so this guy was he- here, and, uh, and I just and, uh, the Holy Spirit told me, call Valerie was her name. I said, I, and the Lord said, Valerie, you come up here and pray for him. So she came up. These two guys came up. Both of them were deaf in one ear, um, e- each deaf in one ear. So she came and laid hands on him, prayed for him. Power of God hit him. Boom, they fell out. When they got up, they were completely healed and restored, both their ears. One had been deaf um, for, I think, since he was a child. He had been deaf in one ear since he was a child, and the power of God just hit him, and amazing miracles happened. So the, the other testimony here, this guy, this old older man, uh, he was he had had some kind of a, some kind of a um, shingles or something like that. Herp, some kind of they call it herpes in Mexico, but it's it affects uh, your skin. So extremely painful skin disease. And so he had he came to one of our meetings, but he was really terrified that someone was going to come up and touch him because he had so much pain. And so uh, I, I didn't realize that, and I kept calling out, is there someone here with chronic pain? I feel like there's someone with chronic pain. And he wouldn't, wouldn't come up, wouldn't come up, wouldn't come up. Finally, he came up to the front, and he said, that's me. And I didn't realize he was in, like, he would, typically this would really hurt him. So I just put my hand right on his chest like that. And he didn't warn me. He, no, one, no one told me. So I just put my hand right on his chest, and his eyes got real big. But he was surprised because it didn't hurt him. And uh, so I just laid hands on him and prayed for him. And after a few minutes, all the pain left his body. And he had had many years, I think they had told me nine years at least, of having that, that chronic pain from, from that and those shingles. power of God just touched him, and an amazing miracle happened. So this is, this is normal. Yeah. I think God wants to change, hey, change a paradigm of what normal is. Because we, we see the same miracles in Mexico and in the United States. Yeah. We have a, now a church in Texas, and it's fun because our church in Texas, why it's growing so much is because of all the people that are getting healed. We launched a church in El Paso recently, just a house church. We're launching a church in El Paso, and uh, their, their mission field is the Walmart. And so they go to the Walmart and heal the sick in the Walmart. Walmart is a great mission field. I think if, you know, if the Apostle Paul had been alive in our generation, he would, he would be going and probably ministering at the Walmart. That's a good place to go and find people because you find all kinds of people there. there it's, it's, it's fascinating, the type of people that come there, especially if you go after certain hours at night. Uh, you can just see amazing the demographics, different demographics there. It's a wonderful. It's a great place to minister. So people are, are getting healed and born again in the U.S. because of all the miracles. I, was, I shared the other night that I was in a Catholic uh, church got invited to preach in a Catholic church. I'd never been in a Catholic church before, not by invitation at least. And and I was I was there and invited to preach. Amazing spirit filled uh, priest was was there and he he's like do the words of knowledge things. So it's okay. And uh, so he and I it was fun because I mean uh, their services were a little different because he was like you have 15 minutes to preach and then he said then you can do your words of knowledge stuff and he said I'll dismiss the people and whoever wants to stay can to get healed we'll do healing mass. So that was my first time to do healing mass. Yeah. Yeah, mass healing. I liked it. I just reversed it. 
I just reversed it around. So they were all coming up to me. They thought I was a priest. So they were all coming up to me, Father Joshua, would you pray? And it was, it was, it was really sweet. They just, it, was, it, was, it was really sweet, actually. But the Lord told me there was someone that had a frozen shoulder. So anyway, I, I shared this the other night, but um, that uh, and the Lord wanted to heal the frozen shoulder. So uh, we called up, anyone has a frozen shoulder? This lady comes running up from the back, and her shoulder is stuck like that. She hadn't been able to move her shoulder more than this for years. And so I just laid hands on her shoulder, and I just, I just touched her like that with two fingers. Just laid hands like, just like that. And all of a sudden, all, all I could explain it as it was almost like someone grabbed her hand. No one was touching her, but it's like someone grabbed her hand, and she did that. And her eyes got about that big, <laughs> and her arm shot up over her head, and then she starts moving completely healed, and uh, she got born again as well. And then another another lady, uh, we, we were, like, I feel like there's someone here with, with an issue with their bones, something about their bones, some kind of a problem with their bones. Another lady uh, comes up from the back, and she, this this is in Chicago, by the way. So this is not, not in some foreign third world country. This was in Chicago. It's not far from here, Chicago. And so this lady comes up on a little little walking chair, and uh, she had had shin, shin splints and, like, really bad, like, medical shin splints that were actually had become, like, bone fractures. And uh, so it's like, it like shin splints that are, like, way worse than average shin splints. And so uh, anyway, so we just laid hands on her. She had chronic pain. She was barely able to stand up. Power of God comes into her in the middle of a Catholic church in Chicago. And boom, she gets healed, and she starts doing this and this, completely restored. I mean, how, I mean, if you ever had shin splints, you know, you don't even want to walk or think about moving your legs, let alone doing this. And the power of God hit her. She's completely restored, completely healed. And this was in America. So the power of Jesus wants to manifest in America. It doesn't matter where you're at. This, this, has no, this is not a bound and limited by geography. What he, he what he's waiting for is for us just to simply be the church and believe. Amen. So I want to share with you out of the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47, versículo 1. Open our minds to hear and know your word, Jesus. So I'm going to, I'm going to just give you the paraphrased version of this, all right? So it talks about in the beginning, it says that the prophet Ezekiel, in this vision, he's in this, 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 this amazing vision, and he's taken to the entrance of the temple. And he said, I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, because the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar, holy. And then it brought me, and then he, then he brought me out through the north gate and led me around to the outside facing east and the water was flowing from the south side so two times it talks about the water flowing out where does it flow from flows south so what is what is south south is geographically lower it's lower it's not flowing north it's not flowing it flows south because rivers flow to low places Hey, they don't flow up mountains. You never see a river going up a mountain. Rivers go down mountains. They go to valleys. They go down. You never see them going up. So here you see this river. The river is flowing south. Where is it flowing from? It's flowing out of the temple. It's flowing out from under the altar. Hey, and the prophetic symbolism in here is, is incredible because it's, 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 it's also a, a foreshadowing. It's a picture of what you see at the end of the book of Revelation where it talks about the river that flows out from under the throne of God. So let me ask you a question. For the believer, where is the throne of God? We know it's in heaven. Everything in the scripture, it's, it's talking about a physical, literal place. We know that. But we also know that Jesus said, you are temples of, or the apostle Paul said, do you not know you are temples of the Holy Spirit? And Jesus also said, anyone who believes in me out of his belly, out of his innermost part, would flow rivers of living water. So Jesus was referencing, Santo, Jesus was referencing the rivers of living water that would flow out of the place of intimacy with him. The place where God is sitting enthroned upon your life, out of that place will flow a river. Hey, if you allow him to out of that place, there will be a river of the Holy Spirit that will flow out of you. 
So this river is there's really two two or three levels to this verse. The first verse, it's like the you know the you're going through the three journeys: inward, upward, outward. The river really functions in that way. First, where does the river it flows from? It flows from in here. But then he also calls us to enter in. That's the upward journey. The river flows out of that place where Jesus is, where he dwells in us, where his presence is. There flows a river. He calls us into the river, just like he called Ezekiel, where he called him out up to his ankles, up to his knees. And we'll go to that in a minute because that's really fun. I love this part. And then out of the river then goes the outward journey, which is the journey to reach others. So first of all, we go into that place of a deep, intimate encounter with Jesus, and out of that place will flow a river. The signs, wonders, and miracles, all those things are in the river. Where the river is, there will be healings. Where the river is, there will be miracles. Book of Revelation talks about the river flowing from the throne. It says on either side of the river are trees, and their leaves are for the healing of the nations. And the psalmist also talks about, I want to be like a tree planted by still waters. Planted by that. You know, do you realize that the healing will manifest when the river flows through you? Both your healing and the healing of other people will manifest as the river flows. But how do you live a life that is conducive for the river to flow? Because the Holy Spirit is not going to be controlled by any man. The Holy Spirit will never be controlled. He controls us. We don't control Him. He does not want to be controlled. He does not want to be told what to do. The Holy Spirit wants to flow like a river. Hey, so how do you live in such a way where you welcome Him? First of all, get low. The lower you get, the more humble you get, the more the river will flow through you. I know amazing men and women of God that are the most, that walk in powerful signs and wonders and miracles that no one knows their name, but they're apostles. No one knows their name. No, they don't even know they're apostles is the funny part. I have one of our leaders, he oversees a little network of about, I think we have about 15,000 cell groups. That he's he's given birth to. He we, uh, he's one of our one of our leaders in a, in a certain country in in uh, in, in Asia, and he oversees about fifteen thousand something house groups and about um, like sixteen hundred house churches, and he he has no idea he's an apostle. Uh, he came to Christ with us. The only Christians he's ever met besides ones he's led to Christ have been myself and four other of our team. We're the, we're the only Christians he's ever met. And we've vowed in our hearts we will only teach him what's in this book. So he's an apostle of apostles and has no idea who he is as far in that regard. He knows who he is as a son of God. He knows all the things he should know. But he doesn't have, in America, and sometimes in the church we have what I call apostolitis. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a lot of a, there's a lot of apostles. I mean, an apostle is a legitimate office in the church. But the Holy Spirit isn't interested in titles. He's interested in people who go low and who walk humble. Another one of the men I know that is an apostle of apostles is John Arnott, but he walks in such humility. He was with us in Mexico, and it was so funny, because in, in Mexican culture, there's a big, a big value on titles. And so uh, people kept asking, what do we call him? Do we call him apostle? Do we call him this? Do we call him apostle John? You know, reverend apostle this, pastor apostle this? And uh, finally, someone, they, I was like, well, you just ask him. So they went and asked him, some of our leaders, what do we, well, how do we address you? He said, well, John's fine with me. <laughs> and it just, you know, the man signs, wonders, mirror, oversees thousands of churches, but, oh, John's fine with me. You know, we have to go low. Hey, because when we live in a place of, of humility of heart, the river will continue to flow through us. The Bible says that God exalts the humble. He resists the proud. I don't want to be I don't ever be someone that God has to resist. I want to be someone who consistently humbles myself so that God can exalt me. Do you know if you humble yourself God will exalt you? If you exalt yourself God will resist you. The river doesn't want to flow in a place where there's no humility. Rivers flow to the low places. Holy. And as the rivers flow to those low places, the river will bring incredible miracles. 
bring the incredible miracles in your life. You know, rivers have such power. Rivers can move mountains, literally. Rivers shape landscapes. They change things. You know, rivers, rivers, rivers created the Grand Canyon. Rivers can do what you could not ever do in all of your striving. If you allow the river to flow, the river can do what you can never do. But where does it flow from? It flows from that place. First of all, it, fl- it says it flowed out from under the altar. The altar was the place where that was the sacrifice. We know Jesus was our sacrifice. That river flows from the place of knowing Jesus' sacrifice for us. From that place, the river flows. Flows out from under the threshold. It flows down. Then the, the angel takes Ezekiel and brings him up to the river. And at this point, this is the journey where it's upward. And he brings him to the edge of the river and he says, come out. So he goes into the river up to his ankles. Ha! And as he's in the river, whoa, in the river up to his ankles. You know, if you're in the river up to your ankles, this is talking about, really, this is a reference to what our journey is like with Jesus. (coughs) In different stages of the journey with Jesus. So he goes into the river up to his ankles. When you're in the river up to your ankles, it means that you've entered into some of the promises of God, but you've not stepped into the fullness. You're still in control. When you are on the shore, you are 100% in control of your life. When you step into the river up to your ankles, you're about 95% in control of your life. And it's funny, when you're in there up to your ankles, there's very little resistance or pressure put upon you. It's comfortable. Maybe it's a little cold at first or a little bit different at first. What's that? It's refreshing. But at the same time, you're still in control of your life. And more importantly than that, you're not going anywhere. You're not being moved anywhere. That, that's the ones where you, you enter into the river and you say, I shall, you sing the, the hymn, I shall not be moved. You know, <laughs> when you're in that place of the river up to your ankles, it, it, you, you only go so far and it's not taking you anywhere. You feel the river. So much of the church is in this place of the river. And in so much, so much of the church, we have what we call like seeker friendly. And I'm nothing against churches that preach that or, or have that area, but it's a whole bunch of people that are in the river up to their ankles. And in fact, many people in the church in general are standing on the shore looking at the river thinking they're in the river because they're looking at the river. It's not enough to stand on the shore and look at the river. It's not enough to enter just into the river up to your ankles. You need to go deeper in the river. The Holy Spirit is calling you deeper. Hey, this morning we talked about Peter. And when Jesus called Peter, his boat was parked on the shore. And Jesus came and said... Can I enter your boat? And then he said, put your boat out to deeper water because Peter's boat couldn't catch any fish there on the shore. Peter's boat was made for deeper water. Peter was made for deeper water. Peter was made for bigger things than where he was. Ezekiel, he was not just made to stand in the the river up to his ankles. Hey, you were not made to stand in the river just up to your ankles because you're still in control. But what do you really fighting for what are you really trying what are you retaining control of a little bit of dirt seriously what are you holding on to sand so have you ever ever been at the ocean or a lake and you pick up sand underwater and try to hold it especially in the ocean where the water's coming at you with some some pressure or a river you can't hold sand in your hand it's getting moved out from under you in fact when you're in the river only up to your ankles, the sand is actually being removed out from under your feet because the river is actually sweeping out the things that you're standing on. It's like being on the beach and you're standing there and the tide comes in and you go down about three inches every time it goes back out. Why? Because what you're holding on to is being removed out of your hands. Do you know everything that you're holding on to in this life that's keeping you from going deeper with God is like holding sand in your hands? You can't hold on to it and you can't take it with you. And at the end of the day, it has no value. Because in the river of God, holding on to the sand really values, it brings no value to your life. So when you're standing in the river up to your ankles, you're fighting with the river just for for sand. Just a little bit of dirt. That's all you're fighting for. I want to share a little bit of my story, how I encountered the river. Mm. 
So I was a missionary in, uh, in Africa. I got sent out. I was from a conservative denomination. They sent me out to be, uh, to, uh, to be a mission, do missions, and I was working in Sudan. And so I saw miracles, started to see miracles that I didn't realize. I knew it was in the Bible, but I didn't realize it could really happen in like everyday life. And I was shocked. The first miracle I saw was someone healed of meningitis. And I shared it the other night. I'm not going to go into it, but it was an amazing miracle about what Jesus, what Jesus did. After I saw that miracle, this woman, was she'd been at the point of death. God heals her, raises her back up. And I left that place going, this word is true. This word is true. Everything in it is true. So after that, I went to northern Uganda. And uh, some of you have heard about like the, the LRA, Joseph Coney. There was a whole bunch of stuff on that. Uh, like It was re- a rebel group that terrorized the northern part of Uganda for decades. So I was ministering there um, in, uh, well, in, as, as he was being ousted, I was, I was there. We were ministering in the refugee camps, internally displaced peoples. And so we were working with an amazing charismatic African ministry. At that time, I didn't know what a Pentecostal was. I didn't know what a charismatic was. I'd never heard anyone speak in tongues. Well, I take it back. I'd heard people speak in tongues, but they were Africans. So I thought they were talking in their tribal language. And I, I, for, I mean, for actually for quite a while afterwards, I thought most African language was shaka rebo sandarebadaba. I was like, oh, that's that's just, it's an African language. That's cool, because I hear them talking like that as they pray. They shokorobo sandereba kwayanaba, and I was like, oh man, this is that's cool. I, I like their language. That's a neat language. I need to learn that someday. But uh, I remember being in northern Uganda. Hey, and uh, we were man. This ministry had the power of the Holy Ghost. I'd never seen anything like it before. They'd get up at like 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. and they'd pray for hours. And uh, they were intercessors. They would heal the sick on a regular basis. I'd seen it like one or two times. They saw it all the time. They would uh, go out and they would cast out demons. Their services were massive deliverance services, like everybody getting delivered from all sorts of things, burning idols, witchcraft, everything like that. And so I was, I would watch some of these deliverances. The first service I was in where people started manifesting a demon, I was doing my very best to get out of the service, but I was the, I was the pastor. I was the one supposed to be doing the deliverance. But I was thinking, oh my goodness, I am not, they didn't teach me how to do this in Sunday school. You know, we, we don't necessarily prepare our people how to live a victorious Christian life. And I certainly wasn't prepared for that. And so the, <laughs> I remember the one service, I was there and like three or four people, witch doctors had come into the church and they were manifesting demons and getting demons cast out. And I'm standing there going, oh, I don't know, this is the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. They're snarling and growling and slithering on the floor like snakes. And, and but those African pastors didn't phase them at all. They would just go, in the name of Jesus, come out now. And just cast them out like boom, boom, just cast out demons. No fear. And finally, I went up to one of them. I said, listen, what do you have that I don't have? Because they, I said, when I try to cast out a demon, the demon laughs at me. But when you try to cast out a demon, there's a power in you. And the demons don't laugh at you. They leave. What do you? I'm terrified of this, and you're not scared of this at all. What is the difference between us? So the brother looked at me. He said, brother, you need the fire of the Holy Spirit. And I said, what is the fire of the Holy Spirit? They said, we will lay hands upon you and you shall be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. (laughs) So I said, okay, what is it? I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. So they laid hands on me and as they prayed for me, all of a sudden out of my mouth, I started speaking in new tongues. For actually about six months, I was so excited because I thought God had given me their, their native language. I, I didn't realize it, and I didn't realize it was it was tongues, <laughs> and so I, I kind of had to learn all that later. I thought, oh man, this is so cool. I'm like, I, I left that that church that day, and I go up, I try to go talk people talk to people in the street. Like, my okay. I, I was thinking maybe they 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 didn't know. They're looking at me like this white boy's lost his mind, <laughs> and so it was it was hilarious. I had to learn a little bit um, of what it means to intercede in the spirit. So anyway, I went on a crash course, but I remember thinking, okay, let's try this out because I want to see if I really got what they got. And so I remember going to a church service, and, and I, I, I was the only preacher that day. It was an African church service. I had an interpreter, but no, I was the only preacher. So I show up, I get to that church service, and this woman comes to the front for prayer. And so it's so funny, these sometimes really demonized people just come to the 
The, the, at first, they seem like the sweetest little people, and then you pray for them, and ha, ah, they, 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 they change like that. So that's how it was with this lady. I just came up to her and laid hands on her. All of a sudden, her eyes roll in the back of her head, and she's like snarling and growling and, and hissing at me. And uh, all of a sudden, out of my mouth, I heard myself say, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And the demon left, just like that, boom. I looked at myself and just I almost felt like someone had had grabbed me and pointed my finger like that and I just cast out the demon. And I, I left I, I stepped back from that and as I left from that church I said, God, you've really done something in me more than what I realize. Hey, that is what happens when the river flows. Jesus told his disciples, You shall be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. First, he tells them, he gives them a great commission. It's very interesting that he combines, he always, he combined the great commission and the baptism of fire. In the end of the book of Mark 16, it talks about, in my, in my name, you will cast out demons. In my name, you will speak in new tongues. In my name, you'll drink deadly poisons and they won't harm you. In my name, he goes through the, the whole thing and then he gives them the commissioning. And in the end of the book of Matthew, we see Jesus commissioning his disciples. He commands them to go to all the nations. He gives them authority. He said, all authority has been given to me. The Greek word was uh, ehusio. If there's any Greek scholars, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's ehusio. I've got to be, uh, Cameron, inform me how many seminary students you guys have, so I need to make sure I'm telling you the right Greek words. And he told his disciples, uh, all ehusio, all jurisdiction has been given unto me. Go, and he, he commissions them. So that's the great commissioning. But then you, you, and it ends there. The gospel ends there. But it actually, that commission, that didn't actually end in that moment. It actually ended when Jesus was taken up into heaven at the beginning of the book of Acts. So you see in the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus speaks to his disciples and he tells them, Wait, for you shall be clothed with power from on high when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And when he talked about a river flowing out of our innermost part, this he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that river. The river is not something apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the river. When we talk about being a river church and a river movement, it just simply means we're a movement that lets Holy Spirit go where He wants to go, do what He wants to do. We believe in that river of living water, flowing out of our innermost beings. That is the river of the very presence of Holy Spirit. So then you see in the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost falls on the disciples, and they all begin to speak in new tongues. And then you see a night and day shift between the end of the Gospels, where the disciples were arguing about who was going to sit on thrones, and they got their mothers involved. I mean, how, how unspiritual do you have to be when you have to bring your mom into the conversation to try to mediate with Jesus? I mean, that, that, is, that's another, that was another level even for them. And that's, that's where they were before the Holy Ghost. Hey, but when the Holy Ghost came upon them, when the Holy Ghost came on them, then they began to speak in new tongues. And then after that, you see Peter, the same Peter, who could not stand up to the persecution of a little girl while Jesus was being crucified. And the little girl was saying, weren't you with Jesus? Aren't you also, a gal- aren't you also with him? I-, I never knew him. I never knew the man. He could not stand up to the persecution. After the Holy Spirit came upon him, after the Holy Spirit came upon him, he stands up in front of 3,000 people, probably more. He stands up before them and he says, this is what the prophet Joel prophesied about. Then in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And he goes on and he preaches the gospel. 3,000 get saved. There were probably way more than 3,000 in that audience. He stands up and preaches that way. With power, with conviction, with authority. All the apostles went on to eventually die, with the exception of one, went on to die in martyrs' deaths without ever renouncing their faith in Jesus. What enabled them to do that? The power of the Holy Ghost. What will enable you to live the life of a victorious Christian? The power of the Holy Ghost on your life and in your life, flowing out of you like a river, is what will enable you to stand in the face of whatever the enemy can throw at you and not fear. 
That is what will enable you to stand in the face of demonic oppression and demonic attacks and have no fear because you know of the river. You know the power of the river. You cannot stop a river. You can try to dam up a river, but the river's eventually going to get around it or the river's eventually going to destroy what is obstructing it. But that won't affect your life, really, <coughs> unless you go deeper than your ankles. So then what happens after you go deeper than your ankles? Your knees. He says, now, son of man, come out a little further. So he leads him out into the river up to his knees. Now, when you're in the river up to your knees, hey, you're still about 85% in control. But what's the difference? All of a sudden, the river is pushing you. You're kind of moonwalking your way through the river a little bit. It's pushing you like that. When that's happening, it's, it, there's some pressure being put on you because the river wants to take you somewhere that you're not necessarily ready to go. A lot of people pray prayers and then they say, God, they pray prayers with conditions. They say, God, I'll do anything you want except go to Africa. God, I'll do anything you want except do this. I remember someone prophesied over us a while back, and they said, you're going to plant U.S. churches. And I had always told the Lord, Lord, I'll do anything you want, except I don't want to plant U.S. churches. That's a, that's a dangerous thing to pray, isn't it? Or a dangerous thing to say. And so now I just had to surrender. And so after that, we've got like two starting now. And uh, so you've got to watch out on those things you say. Because whatever you uh, think about it for a moment. What are the areas in your life where you've said, God, I will do anything you want me to do except this. I'll be anything you want me to be except a missionary. I'll be anything you want me to be except a pastor. Whatever those areas of your life that you are not, have not surrendered, all you're doing is you're fighting against the current. The river is pushing on you because the river wants to take you somewhere. Hey, but you are wanting to stay attached to the dirt, attached to that sand. That means nothing. That value adds nothing to your life, but the river's pushing you somewhere. To follow after Jesus with all your heart, you must walk into a place of complete submission to God. You know, we were, I was I shared this morning, we had a meeting with all of our, all of our leaders in Mexico and some other nations. We were launching in, in a few other countries as well. Some of those leaders came and were a part of our meeting last week. We had a, some of, this amazing time. And we were really talking about, Lord, what's the, what's the core of who we are? And, you know, we, we know the Father heart of God, the inner healing, all of those things we believe in. Uh, but when we really got down to what, what do we need? What's our DNA that would sustain the miracles and signs and wonders and what we're seeing? What will, what will sustain that? And really, uh, the, the word the Lord spoke to us was that at the core of who we are, there must be obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And uh, the core value of really who we are is radical, immediate obedience. When God spoke to us to move to Mexico, he'd been working us toward it for about a year or two. We'd been prophesying about revival and all these things. And uh, I didn't realize, I actually prophesied about a missionary training school in Reynosa. And uh, little did I know I would be leading, I'm leading a missionary training school in January in Reynosa. We're starting it. I prophesied that about three years back. And I thought it was for somebody else. I prophesied over another pastor. No, actually, this was almost, almost five years ago. I prophesied this over another pastor. I said, the Lord says there's going to be a missionary training school, and missionaries are going to be brought from the north, south, east, and west to be trained here and launched to the nations. Mexican missionaries are going to be sent. I remember like it was yesterday, that prophetic word, and I prophesied it over this guy, and he was, actually, I don't think he really knew what to do with the word. And then about a year later, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, do you remember the word you prophesied? I said, yes, sir. He said, um, that wasn't for him, it was for you. Now go do what you pro go do what I've told you. And I realized the implication was I'm moving to Reynosa. My wife was prophesying in South Mexico uh, before we moved to Mexico in Huhutla, actually. Emily and Arturo, who are our missionaries now, they work with Kaleo as well. Uh, they were just friends of ours. We just met them, and they invited us to come and uh, be part of a youth conference. 
So my wife and I were there, and uh, she gets up, and she's a very quiet person. She doesn't speak publicly much at all. But uh, she gets up, and there's, there's such a strong anointing in that place. I was on, Everyone was on their knees, just about 400-something young people there uh, on their knees, just worshiping the Lord. And my wife comes up and takes the microphone from me. And I know, like, when my very shy little wife comes up and takes the mic from me, it's going to be good. And she comes up and takes the mic from me, and she gets up and gives this thus say of the Lord prophetic word about the Lord says that the, the, the history books, basically there will be history books, that the revival in Mexico will be written in the history books. And she prophesies about this revival, goes on and on about this revival. And it was powerful. We were like, whoa, afterwards, you know, it was, it was wonderful. Didn't think it was for us because we thought we we're moving to Africa. That's great. You know, sometimes you think you, you get to be the, the Holy Ghost prophetic bomber. You just get to drop the words in from a distance. But sometimes you prophesy yourself into, the, into your destiny. Be careful what you prophesy. <laughs> so anyway, somebody came up to her afterwards and said, uh, do, you, do you mean what you said? And she said, uh, of course I meant what I said. I wouldn't have said it if I didn't mean it. And they said, do you, and he asked again, do you mean what you said? So uh, we get home, and uh, the Lord's speaking to me. And at the same time, he's speaking to her. And the Lord speaks to her and says, if you meant what you said, and you really believe I told you that, are you willing to move to Mexico? And are you willing to give birth to the revival that you've seen that I'm, I want to bring in Mexico? So I've just gotten this word. She's just gotten this word. We're both terrified to tell the other one because I knew we were just going to think the other crazy. Because, I mean, at that point, I spoke Arabic way better than I spoke, I spoke uh, Spanish. I spoke no Spanish at all. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I made so many Spanish mistakes in those days. I spoke no Spanish. And so my wife and I were just wondering, how do we tell the other one? But we finally just go to each other and say, hey, the Lord sold us this. And we just start crying because we realize God is speaking the same thing to us. Two weeks later, we moved to Mexico. Radical obedience. Every, every breakthrough we've ever seen has been because of radical obedience. Radical, radical obedience. I remember one time, I was in Haiti. I was doing a crusade in Haiti. And I was there, and, uh, and there was, God had healed like five blind people. It was amazing. This powerful move of the Holy Spirit. And this one lady came up. She had completely wide eyes. And I just, because of all the people being healed, I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's going to heal in the same way. So I laid hands on her, shakarabase, began to pray. The Holy Spirit speaks to me, spit in her eyes. And I just say, I rebuke you, Satan. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, I am not going to be that way. I mean, I'm dignified. I'm, like, I'm, I'm digni- I, well, I thought I was, I was dignified back then. I've lost the dignity since then. But I'm like, I'm like, God, I don't do that. <laughs> be careful when you say those things. Can I be honest with you? And, uh, and I'm, I lay hands on her. I'm thinking I'm rebuking the devil because the devil's telling me spit in this little Haitian grandmother's eyes. I'm thinking these Haitian people are going to kill me if I go spit in their in this little lady's eyes. There are about 2,000 something people staring at me like that. And I'm, I'm laying hands, praying with fervency and zeal, believing that she's going to quickly get healed. And I hear the Holy Spirit say again, spit in her eyes. I'm going, and I, and I mean, thank God none of them understood English because there's this inner, this dialogue going. Actually, it wasn't exactly inner dialogue. It was being vocalized. I'm saying, God, I'm not going to do that. Spin in her eyes. I'm not going to do that. Spin in her eyes. I don't do that. And finally, I just bent over like I was really heavy in the spirit. <laughs> and fortunately, it was raining, and so it really wasn't an issue at all. Everybody was wet. And so I just bent over like I was really heavy in the spirit. And I go, I spit my hand, put it in her eyes real fast. (laughs) Welcome to missions. So I spit my hand and put it in her eyes real fast and say, there, God, are you happy? And I take my hands off her eyes. Honestly, I wasn't expecting it to work because I was... I had the terrible attitude, and I was tired, and it was hot and rainy, and Haiti is an unusual place. took my hands off her eyes like that, and she starts screaming, light, light, in Creole. She, lose, lose, lose. I see light, light, light. 
whole crowd just erupted. Everyone was amazed. It was a public miracle. And I was the only one not celebrating. <laughs> because I was repenting. Because I had to repent because I didn't act in immediate obedience. I'd been a little bit of a stinker on that one. I had fought with God. And I hadn't acted immediately with obedience. So I repented, but God in his mercy still saw fit to heal her. But I just saw from the Lord that there's something about radical obedience. Hey, that actually will bring, even when you don't understand, radical obedience is what will bring an increase in your life. Radical obedience is, is really, it, it is it's faith with works. James says faith without works is what? Is dead. Faith without radical obedience, without immediate obedience, is just simply a good idea. And it's not enough to really bring any change to your life or the people around you. So it's not enough to stand in the river up to here. you got to go deeper. You get up to the river and up to your waist, the river is moving you somewhere, but you still are in control. So the prophet, or the angel then says to the prophet, now go deeper. And then it said, and I entered into a river that was deeper than I could stand in. A river that no man could cross, and I had to swim. Hey, when you are in the river up to that point, you have lost all control. You are being led by the Spirit. And the book of Romans chapter 8 says, those who are led by the Spirit of God, oh, they are sons of God. Part of the renewal is God coming and taking back control of His church. Revival is just simply God taking control of His church again because the church has decided to get, we've decided we need to get a little bit away from all this river stuff because we need to have a place of order and control. I want to challenge you. Maybe the order of God doesn't look like the order of man. People say we need decency and an order. The Apostle Paul talked about decency and an order. He did. But if you thought about the type of churches Paul planted, he had to tell people to calm down a little bit. Why? Because they were going crazy. Because they loved the Holy Ghost and they were flowing in the river so much. He was like, listen, you know, we, we got you know, a four or five ser hour services are enough. Let's I just have three or four words in tongues. Why? Because they loved the Holy Spirit. So the river and the order of God, the river is, the order of God is like the banks of the river. It gives direction, it gives flow to the river, but the river is the one in control because the river has the ability to move its banks. But if we begin to say, this is how we want the river to flow, Holy Spirit, you can do this, 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 but you can't do this in this place. Oh my goodness. We have severely limited our own ability to receive from the Holy Spirit because we've said, God, I want you up to here. But not, I don't want you to, to carry me somewhere. If you will give your life completely to the Holy Spirit, if you will surrender yourself completely to the Holy Spirit, He will take you to places you've never imagined. He will use you to do things you've never dreamed of. If you surrender yourself to the moving and the flow of the river, then it goes on to talk about what's in that river. So it goes into the river and it talks about and where the, the river meets the ocean the salt water will become fresh water. How many of you know you can't use salt water to irrigate a field or you'll destroy your field? You can't use salt water to make a tree grow. You can't use salt water to drink. It will kill you if you drink salt water. So when that river touches those areas in your lives or in the lives of your community where the river is flowing, the salt those things that are not usable, that are not fresh, that can't be used, it begins to change those things. And it talks about where the, the river meets the sea. This is the river will then make the sea, make that seawater fresh, make it drinkable, make it pure, make it usable. Hey, when the, the river flows through you, now I want to bring it to a local context and a personal level. When the river flows through you, the river will then begin to touch other people. And where the river flows, people that had once been crusty and salty, not usable for anything, hard, hard ground. People say America's hard ground. I don't believe it. 
I don't believe it at all. People say other, you know, they're like, oh, that's hard ground. It's hard ground. No. No. It just, there hasn't been a river on it. The only reason it's hard ground is because there's not been a river flowing. Holy. So where the river flows, whoo, it will turn the salty, hard ground into usable ground. And then it goes on to talk about fish and the fish, the, the harvesting of souls. There will be fishermen who won't be fishing just with the pole, not just with the rod and reel, but fishing with nets. The days of fishing with the, with the fishing pole alone are over in evangelism. I believe God is raising up men and women of God, a church, a body of Christ, who will begin to extend themselves like nets and throw, out, throw themselves into the harvest field and become like nets. The Lord gave me a vision. Hey, the Lord gave me a vision. and I feel like after this we're going to pray for people. The Lord gave me a vision um, when I was in Toronto one time, and I saw myself in a field, and I had a little sickle in my hand, and I was using that sickle to, to harvest, to try to bring in the wheat. And I saw this vision so clearly. I don't have a lot of visions, but this one was very clear. And I saw myself in a field, and I had the sickle, and I was harvesting and harvesting. But all I had was a little patch, a little patch of wheat. And, uh, and I began to look up, and I saw that the wheat harvest went as far as the eye could see in every direction. And I began to weep, and I said, God, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. And I threw the sickle down, and as I threw the sickle down, I began to just, I fell on the ground, and I wept. And in the vision, then I saw this fire fall from heaven, and it hit me right in the chest. Hey, and I was in the place of the fire, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, do you want to build your ministry, or do you want to birth a movement? Hey, and at that point, our little ministry was tiny. We were, we were a sickle. We were just a sickle. We were doing the best we could, but we weren't really empowering other people to reach out and, and share the gospel. And the Holy Spirit said, do you want to build a ministry, your ministry or do you want to birth a movement? And I began to weep and I said, God, whatever it takes, do it in me so we can birth a movement. And then the Holy Spirit said, dedicate yourself to prayer and fasting and stay in my fire. And then out of that fire, I began to see these combines, you know, the big combines for bringing in the wheat or corn harvest begin to fall out of heaven. Dozens of them, then hundreds of them, then, 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 then many, many more began to fall. And I could actually see some of the drivers of the combines, and some of them I knew. Some of them I have come to know because I, I saw their faces, and then later on now some of them work in our ministry, uh, people I recognized later on. And uh, so anyway, so these combines were falling in the field and began to take in the harvest at an incredible rate. Hey, and the Lord began to, to speak into my heart about what it would look like for the body of Christ to begin to step up and begin to extend ourselves like nets and begin to bring in the harvest. What if we begin to flow in that river? What if we begin to become that net where we bring in the harvest? But it takes, first of all, radical obedience and submission. So if you stand to your feet with me right now, I want to pray over you. And then I want to ask, first of all, if there's anyone here who's never been born again, just as we pray, if you've never been born again, just in just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance just to raise your hand. If you've never been born again and you want to be born again, then just raise your hand. And then the next thing we want to do after we I just pray over you corporately, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've never spoken in tongues, you've ne you you just you realize that as far as the river goes, you're in there up to your ankles or your knees. If you're doing anything but swimming, if you're doing if you're in your knee up to your knees, your waist, whatever, and you want to go deeper in the river, and tonight, or you're stuck in the mud, or if you're standing along the bank thinking you're in the river, <clears throat> whoa. I want to invite you to come up. But first of all, everyone, just lift up your hands. If you need to go, we understand. I know I've probably gone way over my time. But I just want to ask you just for a moment, just stand up with your hands extended and just say, Lord, would you fill me with more of your river? Holy, would you fill me with more of your presence? I surrender. Hey, to radical obedience, radical obedience to your voice, to your voice. 
into your word. Speak through me and to me. And do in me what you desire. Hey, if you right now, everyone with their eyes closed, if you've never been born again and you want to be born again, just wave your hand at me. Or if you've been there standing in the river or standing by the river thinking you're in the river but you've never really been born again, just wave your hand at me so I can see it. Is anyone out there? I see. Okay, good, good. All right, good. I see that hand. Praise God. Praise God. All right. If you've never been born again and you're ready to be born again, then I just want you to say this with me. It's so simple. But it's so profound to say this and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart and make me a new creation. I give myself to you. Forgive me for my sins. Make me new in you. Fill me with your presence. In Jesus' name, I believe you died on the cross and that you were raised from the dead. Make me born again in Jesus' name. So now if you have been standing alongside the river up to your ankles, your knees, or whatever, and you want to go deep, then just come right now. Don't be thinking about what people will think about you. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then come up to the front right now and come and receive from the Lord. Just come and just begin to just form a line right here. We want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to touch you.